Hello and welcome to episode 65 of Honestly Unbalanced. This week's guest is the lovely Vicky Fox. Vicky is a yoga teacher specializing in teaching yoga for cancer and specifically how to mitigate the side effects of cancer and cancer treatment, which as we know, there isn't a whole lot of help and support for out there. In the episode, we talk about treating the side effects of cancer through yoga, through movement-based practice, the importance and the positive impact of breathwork, mudras, nutrition and meditation, using an approach of science and spirituality combined, the importance of creating and building a community for support, connecting back to our true self through yoga and realizing that we are more than just a physical body and empowering others to heal themselves and so much more. There is so much wonderful stuff in this episode. And if you know someone that you think would really benefit from listening and from listening to this information, please do feel free to share it with them so that we can help to spread this, uh, spread Vicky's wisdom far and wide. Vicky actually has a book out as well called Yoga for Cancer, uh, the A to Z of Cancer, which you can order now from all of the normal places. And she also teaches Yoga for Cancer classes at TriYoga. So you can have a look at the TriYoga website. They're also live streamed if you can't get to the real life ones. And if you're interested in doing a training with Vicky, she is running a 40 hour Yoga for Cancer training, which is also at TriYoga Camden. And that starts on the 13th of June. So not too long to sign up if you did want to get in on that. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We really hope you enjoy it. If you are interested in becoming a crystal bowl sound healer, then listen on. Otherwise, you can just skip through this bit. (laughs) I am really, really excited to be once again running my online Crystal Bowl Sound Healer training, which is a 12-week journey. It begins on July the 25th. So this is for you if you are, yeah, if you're wanting to become a Crystal Bowl Sound Healer, if it's been in your field for a little while and you're thinking now is the time, whether that's just for your own personal practice at home or you want to actually teach and lead sound journeys for other people, this training is going to be wonderful for you. It's a really, really beautiful training with lots of practical and theory, hippie and science, all of it combined. And I'm super, super excited to be sharing it with the world. So there is an early bird offer on at the moment. And the best place to read all of the course information, all of the everything that you need to know really is by heading to my website, which is hollyhustler.com. And just head to the online training section there and you can have a have a read through and please do get in touch with me if you've got any questions at all. And yeah, if you feel like your heart is pulling you towards this training, then I will be so, so excited and happy to guide you along this journey honestly unbalanced so you are now an author soon to be published i've saw a few uh, copies in tri yoga in london how is the process of writing a book been was this ever part of the plan um oh well yes and no no it wasn't always part of my plan it wasn't part of my plan when i first started teaching these classes in fact i had no idea when i first started teaching yoga for cancer how how this would ever go. I thought I'd just be, you know, teaching from charities and really small venues. And that's how it kind of started off with three or four people attending my classes. So I didn't ever imagine it could ever become anything more than that. Um, But but I did start writing a book quite a few years ago because I, I just thought it'd be really interesting 
to be able to share some information with people because occasionally I'd get contacted by people that weren't in London and they'd say, oh, um, I'm struggling with something and could you help? I hear you teach yoga for cancer. And I, I'd say, well, I can write you a little sequence out or I can draw uh. you some little diagrams or send you some pictures or, mm. and um, I mean, this is pre-Zoom. So I started writing a book because I thought it could be really useful. And I wanted a book that you could give to somebody who had been diagnosed with cancer just to be a support to them. Mm. And that was sort of my idea at the beginning. And then with lockdown, um, what I realized was that a lot of people were coming to my classes that weren't obviously able to see physiotherapists. They couldn't get near a hospital. Some of them, their treatment had stopped. Some of them were on trials that had been stopped. Um, they were very fearful because they had, a lot of them had low immunity. They were very scared about going out. And they were coming in saying, well, I've got this side effect. Can you help with this side effect? You know, my peripheral neuropathy, which is where the nerves in the hands and the feet get affected and can become, make your hands numb or tingly. That's really bad at the moment. What can you suggest? So I then realized that actually what people are coming to my classes for is not the cancer, but they're coming really generally with the side effects of treatment. Mm. And, uh, and, and even if they're not actually having treatment, the common side effect everyone has is anxiety. So they're coming to class with anxiety. And even if in, you're in remission, there's still that fear that, any lump or bump or any pain you have might be your cancer coming back. Mm. So they, they're, they're very different. It's very different once you've been diagnosed with cancer, how you sort of feel or are aware of your body. And um, so that tailored then the book to becoming more about the A to Z, uh, A to Z of side effects um, and looking at how yoga can maybe address or support the side effects. Cause there is no care out there for side effects. There isn't, there just isn't the funding. And so people often either have, a tiny bit of, of support maybe or suggested this or that but that's it you know there isn't any support and these classes provide that support for people. that seems like kind of a huge amount of pressure on you in a sense as in you know, people coming to you like my as a yoga teacher when people say to me i've got this going on i'm like have you seen a doctor do what they said because I, I'm fairly knowledgeable in terms of anatomy but still i defer to specialists like how have you acquired all of this knowledge and the, at some point you just have to say I, I don't know I, I not my yeah no and a, a lot of it actually um, and this was the amazing thing with zoom a lot of it is a co-crafting with other um people that come to my class so um there's a side effect from treatment which is called cording and it's where you get thrombo thrombosed sort of lymphatic vessels they get um they get a bit stuck and you literally get a cord often in the arm but they can be in the chest and the back and from my knowledge, when I first trained, they can only be released by a physiotherapist. A physiotherapist, literally, they call it, it doesn't sound nice, by the way, they snap them. And wow. they snap them, you get an immediate release, but you go, oh, my gosh, I can move my arm again. Because up until then, obviously, if you've got a cord in yeah. your arm, you can't straighten your arm, it's stuck. And so I was always told, you know, physio needs to release that. And so people were coming in on Zoom and saying, you know, I've got cording and, then somebody else would say, well, actually, Vicky was making us do these child pose things last week and that released my cording. Oh, wow. I'd say, oh, okay, I didn't, okay, well, let's try this. And then somebody else said, well, yeah, and you did that stretch against the wall once and I did that and that really started to release mine. Wow. In fact, I managed to snap mine on my own. Wow. <laughs> okay, all right. So, okay, in the absence of us being able to get to physiotherapists and things, maybe there are some things we can do and let's try them. And so it, it was sort of like we were all working together and it's amazing people really support. I think more on Zoom 
than maybe in a regular class. Because I guess in a regular class, if people come up to you to tell you something, they'll come to the front yeah. and they might go, hi, yes, well, I got, you know, and they mm. might sort of talk in a hushed tone and not everyone can necessarily hear, not everybody. Some people do come in and and and, and, and they're happy to speak in front of everybody. But on Zoom, there's, there's that, that thing is gone. You know, it's like everyone's there and it's just really interesting. Even in my class I taught this week, uh, somebody came on and said, and I often say on the Zoom classes, you know, have you got any, any anything you'd like me to address? Any requests today? And somebody will say, well, my lymphedema is not great. And that's where you get chronic swelling of the arms or legs. And um, so I, she said, can we do something for lymphedema? And I said, yeah, we'll get some movement going for the lymphedema. And then at the end of class, someone came on and said, oh, is that person still on? Because I found these amazing garments. They're Aww. really good pressure garments for lymphedema. And they're, they're this brand. And so suddenly then everyone's there writing. They're like, where, where, do, I, yeah, where do I get them from? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's that, that's so it's, it's definitely not me on my own. And my first thing I put in the book is I have to thank every single person that's ever trusted me and come to my class because... I've learned from them. I, I work closely with um, physiotherapists as well. So I get feedback from them on what they suggest on things. I play very safe because like you say, I don't know everything. And I definitely, I always err back to what did your oncologist say? What did your surgeon say? So if someone's coming in and they've had surgery, I'll always be, well, what were you told to do? Mm. And I'll always err on that. But not all oncologists believe that exercise is good for you. So sometimes you, you know, some people are told, well, I was told to just go home and rest. Okay, well, there seems to be a lot of evidence nowadays that going home at rest isn't actually the best thing for us, that actually the best thing for us is to move our bodies because our bodies were designed to move. And as long as you're moving in a safe way that's not depleting, I think we should be moving our body. So I can't always agree with um, everything. There are a lot more integrative oncology uh, doctors out there that see the benefit holistic, see the body holistically, but not all of them. So there are still some quite old fashioned uh, views out there on exercise and nutrition. You know, that nutrition doesn't help with Mm. um, cancer diagnosis. So, and I can't talk about nutrition because it's not my area, but you know, sometimes there are, you know, differing views that I don't agree with. Mm. Um, on that on that nutrition topic like my, my sister uh, kind of had breast cancer she's kind of recovering now but quite recent and I was trying to get her to take certain things and the doctors and this is not in any way slating the doctors they've got a huge workload and they don't really get trained on nutrition they were really yeah. not really able to offer anything even in terms of supplementation uh, and you know, she would have had to go to a specialist and you know, didn't really have the resource or time to find a nutrition specialist that specialises in cancer. But yeah, it's not really part of the uh, discussion, is it? No, it's not. And you do meet some. I work with an amazing doctor called Dr. Nina Fuller-Shavel, and she is the chair of the British Society of Integrative Oncology Care. She runs an amazing clinic out in Winchester. And she is, you know, she's a Cambridge-trained medical doctor. She then did a PhD in nutrition and then she carried on. And so she really knows her stuff. So occasionally when people come to me, if I'm not sure, I'll just email her and say, look, one of my students has said X, Y, Z. And, you know, and she'll come straight back with a whole lot of studies. And, you know, she's brilliant. So I like, like the sound of her. Yeah, here's <laughs> the studies that show that, that nutrition. I mean, I think there are some things, like there are definitely some supplements you shouldn't be taking whilst you're having chemotherapy that don't 
that don't react well with chemotherapy. But I think once you're post treatment, then then definitely you want to be, yeah, looking at the body holistically, putting the body in the best place to repair. I mean, mm. that's what we really want, don't we? Is to, I mean, I don't like using the word heal because I think there's that idea of I'm never suggesting that I can do anything to cure cancer, but I can help people put their body in a best place for repairing. Mm -hmm. And whether that's calming the nervous system down enough so the body can start to do it themselves, moving the body, stimulating the body, you know, whatever it may be that's going to, you know, help support them. So they can, they can learn to look after themselves. So it's empowering because mm. when you're a patient, everything's being done to you. Yeah. But then yoga, I think what's lovely about yoga is it brings it back to you, right? Okay, I can take control now. I can look after me and I can, oh, that breathing technique helped me calm. Oh, that's really interesting. I heard my tummy rumbling when, when I was calming my nervous system. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, could there be a My di digestion must be working again. You know, all these things that you can then start to realize that you are in control of. You are a co-crafter of your well-being. Mm. And speaking of holistically, you, obviously yoga is not just, just physical and you go so beyond the physical and you talk a lot about breathing and calming the nervous system through breathing. And I think you also include meditation and mantras and mudras. So can you talk a little bit about that and how that how that positively, positively impacts people as well? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, um, there are certain times when people may be in hospital, they've had surgeries, uh, they may be fatigued and not be able to move for periods of time. So yeah, it's it's finding, you know, what can people do that maybe does isn't necessarily involving big lots of movement that might be supportive to, to, their, um, to their nervous system or might be cooling. So we use, you know, cooling breath, which I really simplify, like just breathing in through a straw, you know, drawing air in through the mouth. And then closing the mouth, breathing out through the nose. This can be really helpful. Well, we know it calms the nervous system when we're breathing like this because it stimulates the vagus nerve. But then it's also cooling. So you can start to add on a visualization of that with, you know, every time you're breathing in through the mouth, you're cooling the mouth, then the throat, then the chest, then the belly, then the pelvis. And every time you breathe out, you're breathing out any heat from inside the body that's coming back out through the nose. So we use some of those kind of things. So when people are having hot flushes, um, I try not to... I try to make things that are um, scientific as well as spiritual. So I try to make sure there's a scientific element. So why, you know, why would this be cooling? Well, some of it is we know we're using our mind to help cool the body. We're using our mind to stimulate. But actually, if you breathe in through the mouth, like you're breathing in through a straw, you will actually physically feel some cooling going on in your mouth because cooler air comes into the mouth and warmer air comes out. So, you know, you can actually start to create a sense of cooling. And then I work with mudras because I think mudras can be a really simple way uh, to to be able to do something if you're if you are in hospital and you really can't move, you're just recovering from surgery. You might find that a mudra is supportive to you, and um, you know there's many ways of looking at when I the mudras that I'm talking about are ones to do with the hands, mm -hmm. and there are very many ways that you can think about the mudras. You could think about them from an Ayurvedic perspective, which is the fingers all have a different element. Uh, you could think about it from you know so acupressure or acupuncture that different areas of the hands represent different areas of the body. Or even just from sort of a Western perspective that our hands give us so much feedback. You know, if I place my hands on a surface, I can immediately tell if it's rough or smooth or if it's hot. Do I need to, you know, ooh, move my hands away because it's boiling hot and I don't want to burn my hands. So we've, we've got that feedback from our hands to our brain. So can you then send messages from your brain to your hands? Ooh. And even if you think that's a bit hippie. Is it worth not trying? Love that. So can you put your hands in a mudra that is said to be healing from 
various different traditions some of them are some of these traditions are ancient you know they're they're that you know from you know thousands of years ago so it's worth trying isn't it what happens if you bring your hands into a mudra like makula mudra which is supposed to be a very healing mudra and then maybe you place that on an area of the body and you breathe in and breathe down to your fingertips or breathe into your heart and then send that down to your fingertips all of these things i think are worth trying even if you're skeptical and you go really Mm, I'm not sure about that. Um, that's not really my, I've never tried anything like that. Well, give it a go because sometimes it is when I do things that people are like, mm, I'm not so sure. I've never done anything like this before that they go, that was really interesting. Do you know what I found? I found this and, and all they go, nah, it didn't really work for me. Well, that's fine. If it didn't really work for you, let's find something else that may work for you. Maybe a different breathing technique, a different mudra, a different meditation, because there isn't a one size fits all in life and we're not one size and we're, you know, so you're just adapting to, to what might work for someone. I'm not a very visual person. So actually when I do do really guided visualizations, I get a bit, I get confused. <laughs> I'm much better when it. I'm, it's more simple. So, and I'm, I'm definitely much more a kinesthetic person. I really feel my body. So if someone says to me, breathe into your heart. Well, I feel like my heart just starts to expand. I feel this big sort of energy, this vital force in my heart, which maybe somebody else is like, no, I'm not really getting that. So, you know, just try to give many different tools so that people have a toolbox that they take away from the class for, for those important moments. Because we need yoga, we need our yoga not when we're on our mat, but actually when we're off our mat. So for, for people that come to my cancer classes, it's when you're waiting to have your chemotherapy or, or you've just had a scan and you're waiting to find out the results and your mind is going, oh my gosh, is it the cancer coming back? You know, what, what was the scan? What's it gonna say? okay, what did I do in yoga that could make me feel more calm right now? Um, okay, yeah, she did that weird counting breath thing. She did that funny breathing in through the mouth. Oh, I really like that other breathing she did though. You know, so they'll just find something that might resonate with them and work with them. And if that makes them feel calmer in a stressful situation, then I feel like I'm doing mm. a good job. Mm -hmm. I, oh, carry on, hello. I was just going to say, how, how do you... How do you structure your classes then? Do you sort of uh, do a little bit of physical and then you'll do, do a meditation one week or do you just sort of mix it up and, and ask, keep asking for feedback? How does it sort of work? Um, yeah, I mean, I always, always start with breathing and I generally start with something slightly elevated. So if I have a bolster, I, I get them. I normally start with some sort of chest opener, even if it's just a thin folded blanket running along the mat that their spine runs along like, the, like a bolster because I think most people need more opening of the chest. Mm. And I do, normally do it supine because stressed and anxious people are more like to breathe using their shoulders. So the best thing to do is sort of fix the shoulders a bit so they can't be moving. It's harder to move your shoulders up and down when you're lying down, mm. but when you're sitting up, it's much easier. So I generally start the class lying down and I often start very much with a similar sequence, a sort of apanasana flow. So you know, inhale, extending the arms, exhale, hugging in the in, inhale, extending. These are really nice for digestive system and just to start to stimulate the body and they can be done by most people um, you know you don't have to have your legs straight you have your knees bent so I always start up with a, a good warm-up and I also warm up joints more than I might in my normal classes so in my open level classes so because joint pain is a common side effect and that can be from 
uh, treatment, um, hormone treatment um, affects the joints, as does chemotherapy and, and again, being inactive. So I might do a lot more of kind of circling wrists or circling ankles or flexing and pointing feet and things like that. And the lying on the back is also quite nice because you can get the arms and the legs higher than the heart quite quickly, which helps to drain fluid back down through the legs. And so it's really supportive for not just the cardiovascular system, but the lymphatic system too. So I quite often have that, that's quite sort of set. I occasionally start class seated, it really depends. And then I'll say, don't worry, I'll do longer at the end on our backs. Um, so probably about 20 out of an hour's class, 20 minutes is probably on, on the back. And then we'd come do some stuff on all fours, some strength building stuff. I tend to avoid things lying on the tummy because I do have a few people that come to my class that have either just recently had reconstructive breast surgery or they've had, or some, I have a few people with a stoma, which is a colostomy bag. So it's uncomfortable people lying on their tummies and that's contraindicated. So I really just skip out lying on the tummies, even though there are people that can lie on their tummies because I want the class, I want everybody that comes to class to be able to do everything in the class. So unlike a normal class where someone's got an injury, you go, well, okay, you do that instead while we're all doing this. Because this is a yoga for cancer class, I want everybody to do everything even if they're just not maybe going as far into the pose, they're backing off a little bit. They're, even if they're resting in between, maybe a sequence. Um, and so then we'll always do standing postures because I actually find standing postures are much easier for most people than seated postures. Most people can do standing. And it is a vinyasa class, which often surprise, surprises people because um, they don't think of, I suppose a lot of people think of vinyasa as lots of sun salutations, yeah. but I don't think lots of sun salutations. But things like, you know, moving in and out of a warrior two is much more accessible if you're 80 years old, um, you can take it a little easier. You don't quite go as far in and out of the pose. But if you're 30 and you're younger and you're stronger, you might want to go you know, a bit deeper. So everybody can, can adapt the class so it works for them, I hope. And then we'll generally finish with um, some breathing and, um, and, and normally a short meditation unless I've got an hour and 15. Uh, if I've got a longer class, then we'll normally do the last 15 minutes of the class will be some yoga nidra Generally, it's yoga nidra um, or, or guided body scan or some guided relaxation, um, maybe with legs up the wall or something else to support the body. I imagine there are so many kind of psychological benefits of what you do, not just for the fact you're creating a community. I imagine people need that. I, 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 I don't know this because no one I know that has had cancer has gone to kind of support groups through it. But I imagine they're quite depressing affairs where people talk about fairly their problems and what's going on for them and yes there is some support that comes from that but perhaps well, my belief generally is that being around people who are going through the same thing as you but putting a positive light on it and being empowered by what they can still do with their body and what they can still do with their mind really frames it differently and, and has probably quite quite a positive effect and then I guess the other beyond community the other element of kind of psychological support I imagine is the fact that people are exploring their bodies and people often think that's just physical and there is far more to that even even you know in my style of yoga or holly style of yoga yes we're using the body as a vehicle for self-inquiry but that has really amazing mental benefits of being present in the moment can you speak to that a little bit both of the community you've created and i guess of the the mindset i guess we might consider 
Yeah, so I think the, the element of community is, yeah, 100% really, really important. And as more when we went through the lockdowns, that was really, really important because, again, I, I'm not personally affected by cancer, so I wasn't aware of the text messages that people were getting during lockdown. They were getting really... So when we were all being told, yeah, it's safe for you to go out now, they were getting a text message saying, you're vulnerable, stay at home. You know, so then they were sort of showing me their text. I was I, I was sort of slightly gobsmacked because for me, I was saying, great. Yeah, I'm back out now and go back to work and I can do my normal life. And and yet they were being told not only I think it's quite frightening to be told you're vulnerable. Um, it's not a nice thing to be told and then told to sort of actually you still need to be staying at home and you need to be you, you need to be not going out yet. So I think the community became even more important for some people. And I've got some people in my classes that still really aren't, don't go out. They go out when it's quiet. They go out early in the mornings and they go out maybe later in the day, but they won't certainly wouldn't go on a bus or a tube or anything like that. So community is definitely important. And I think community, the interesting thing about yoga and community is that generally we will have our chat after class and um, at Try Yoga, we do free tea. So people stay for tea. There is a positivity because I think people generally, I mean, most of us feel better after yoga, don't we? You know, I mean, I think that's the reason we all keep coming back to yoga is that you generally, however you felt when you arrived at the class, you generally feel better when you leave the class. So I think people are feeling better. And so they're in a more positive frame of mind. And sometimes they're surprised. Yeah, they I think you can get incredibly disconnected to your body when you're going through something. So, you know, even the trauma of being diagnosed with cancer. And I think there's a lot more evidence nowadays that there that people that have um, and, and it varies again on the statistics. So I can't give it. It can be up to about 33 percent of women diagnosed with breast cancer have a form of post-traumatic stress disorder after the um after treatment but even just being in hospital being hospitalized going regularly for treatment is incredibly traumatic for people so some people do detach from their bodies they detach from the physical body because that's actually the best way that they can cope with it is to just sort of get on and, and sort of almost uh, you know not be connecting to this body um, on many levels and so yoga, I think, gives you that chance to start to be connected again, to start to tune in. And again, not just physically, because for a lot of people, the physical body is changing and that's really hard for them. You know, maybe they've lost bits of their body and some some things are really obvious. Like, you know, if you lose your hair, I mean, that's a very obvious side effect. Some may be obvious to other people like losing a breast and some things are internal. So you may have lost an internal organ. Um, so maybe nobody's aware of that when they look at you but you're aware that things are physically changed so again it's starting to connect on the body not just on a physical level starting to move it again and realizing that we are not just a physical body we're a, a breath body an energetic body a mental body and sort of starting to connect to the body on all these different levels and move again and just feel what it feels like so they start to connect back to to them, what, whoever they they are, connect back into your true nature. So not the sort of socially constructed person that we are, but for a lot of people, yeah, they get labeled as, you know, they're the person with cancer or that's how they feel. And actually connecting back to that bit inside you that is constant, that is inherently peaceful and calm and compassionate and sort of connecting back to that and maybe even having some compassion towards themselves because i think that's also hard sometimes people go through guilt they wonder what they might have done 
And, you know, mm. and that's an awful thing to wonder what you might have done to have got cancer. But they do, they go through, you know, what could I have done? Or was it that? Or, well, I think it might have been that period I was really stressed or, you know, there's all kinds of things that people might be going on in their head. So again, just again, coming back into the moment, using the breath to become really fully present and not connecting to their thoughts and not connecting maybe to the physical body, which is changing, but just start to sense sort of inside. It's that drawing the awareness inwards, that pratyahara of, okay, what does it feel like inside me today? And do I need to back off? Do I need to take it easy today? Um, I think I should be tired because apparently I've read the side effects and, and I'm having radiotherapy at the moment. One of the side effects is tiredness, but actually when I lie on my mat, am I actually tired? Hmm. what does it feel like and what does it feel like to move and I have no idea what everybody feels like in class but they know what they feel like so again just sort of tuning back in taking back some control so if you need to back off one day you back off you take it easier there's always that option I always say please don't leave my class if you decide you have enough please still stay stay with the breathing but come into Shavasana, lie with your legs up the wall. I mean, it's your class, so you can do what you want if you feel that that's what you need to do. But often we don't know what we need to do because we've become disconnected to what is going on inside of us. And hopefully, yeah, yoga can give you back that connection. So you, again, it's empowering. It's all about empowering. You then start to learn to take back control because you start to know what it feels like to be you, not what you're told you should feel like. There's a very scary list of side effects. It doesn't mean that you'll experience them. But, you know, as we know with the placebo effect, if you're told, here's your list of side effects, mm -hmm. you're, you, you may start to experience yeah. them. Mm. But when you connect back in and again, and I think the breath, breathing to me is, I always say it's the most important thing because it's the way you connect back into inside of you, you know, what it feels like, you know, to be you, not, you know, the socially constructed part of you. Um, you both breathe in at the same time <laughs> breathing you go a <laughs> little pause um vicky you said that you're not personally affected by cancer so i'm really interested to know what inspired you or guided you to start teaching yoga for cancer is there a story behind it well i i really when i first trained as a yoga teacher and you know you do 200 hours as a yoga teach training and then you're let out into the world yeah, let loose and i always felt like i should have learner plates that i felt like i should be there going i'm only a learner teacher yeah <laughs> this is only my second class i've ever taught in my entire life you know so i felt really quite scared being a yoga teacher when i first was sort of you know let out to the world and people people you know when you're doing a teacher training you're training other yoga teachers who are generally quite flexible not always have injuries know how to adjust their class it's really easy and then you go into the real world and you're like oh okay you sorry you've got no meniscus and uh, oh you've got oh so I was always quite frightened that frightened me so it pushed me into always doing anatomy trainings so I was always really really interested in anatomy and my teacher for well the last sort of 14 years is Doug Keller who's a fabulous anatomy teacher so I got really interested in the anatomy and then you know the therapeutics of yoga like how yoga can how you can hopefully prevent injuries but also how you can help support people in their healing or their repairing process and I really wanted to do something else with my training, but I wasn't really sure what. And then at the time in 2013, an amazing teacher came over from America called Laura Cooperman. And she did a training uh, 150 hours with yoga campus. And because it was 150 hours, she mentored me for a year and I had to send her all my class plans. And it was called Yoga for Survivors. I haven't taken that name into my classes because 
survivors doesn't doesn't not everyone responds very well to the word survivor people like thriving um or i just say it as it is what it does on the box yoga for mm. those impacted by cancer or living with cancer That's, because it, we're all different. it seems quite american yoga for is she american <laughs> she's american okay, yeah. Yeah, that all makes sense. <laughs> she's american. but, but I, I was really lucky so it was a great training and um so i immediately started working at the life center and um, i worked for a small cancer center in battersea which was lovely, but it was a shared space. So you sometimes go in and pick Chris off the floor and, you know, (laughs) and I used to think, oh, I'd love it if my students could experience a really lovely yoga studio. And a a company at the time had, um, you know, where they, a charitable trust. And they said, oh, um, my friend said, oh, well, we could sponsor you to do a class somewhere. So I said, oh, that'd be interesting. So I contacted Jonathan Satin, um, who owns Tri Yoga. And I said, you know, I, um, I think I've got some money for a room and I, I teach these yoga for cancer classes. And is there any chance you would rent a room to me? And um, he, we started negotiating on a room. And at Chelsea, there was a small studio that we were going to use. And, um, and then the charity, the company voted on a different charity and I didn't get the funding. So I had to email Jonathan back and say, look, I'm really sorry, I can't do this um, because I don't have the money. And he said, well, if you're happy to give your time for free, I'll give you the room for free, you can have the room, which was great. So it enabled me to start free classes at Tri Yoga which is just down the road from the Royal Marsden. So it was great because I was able to be in and out of the Royal Marsden, handing out leaflets, and then people started coming to the classes, and then we were able to... They would then be my best PR because I'd say, oh, is anybody you know going anywhere near an oncologist or a physiotherapist or a wig maker or whoever it is you might be seeing that's supporting you at the moment? Is anybody happy to take leaflets? And, of course, again, I think when people feel that you've somehow helped them. They're really happy to support you back. So people say, oh yeah, no problem. I'll take those. And I'm seeing my oncologist or I'm seeing this person. So they would take off my flyers and the classes sort of grew from there. So yeah, and and, and they're the best classes I teach. I love them. I meet the most amazing people. Mm. How do you look after yourself to it all? I was going to ask that, yeah. Because I, I, I'm sure, you know, you meet people at all different stages, I'm mm. sure. I, mm. I imagine some people terminal as well or some, you know, people going through hard times how do you how do you look after yourself mm. yeah it's um it, it's challenging i've got good friends <laughs> um we one of the charity charities i work at they do have support groups for people that work there so sort of um, supervision so i can log in to talk th- things through um yeah it's been i've had a few big challenges certainly during lockdown i lost quite a few people um and some were very close to me because some of them you know really well they come regularly to your classes they come on your retreats and you get to know people really well and yeah it's sometimes really challenging and sometimes it's shit and sometimes i need to just log off for a bit and go do you know what i can't i can't be on social media i just can't yeah i find it, it can be really really hard and you've got to remember that the longer i've taught these classes you know, there are a lot more people that we than we think are living with cancer. So that that's palliative care. If you're having care for the rest of your life, that's palliative care. Whereas we think of palliative care as and very much end of life. It's it's not. It's anybody who's having will be having treatment for life. And I have a lot of people in my classes like that. I would say a quarter of the people that come to my class are living with stage four cancers. Um, so, and, and that's, that is part of their life. You know, they're constantly having treatment. And so, so yeah, there are way more people than I think we all imagine that are living with um, terminal cancers or stage four cancers. But 
they're they're wonderful. <laughs> they really are because they're really inspiring people. And they're in in terms of a, being a teacher, they're fascinating to teach because they genuinely really want to learn. They're not just coming in to get you know longer hamstrings or to try and do an arm balance or something. They really want to know how can yoga help me. And especially if you've you know if your cancer is stage four or you go into remission and then your cancer comes back you really want to know okay that mudra you told me about tell me more about that mudra what did what did you mean and you know that breathing thing but but why does that work i mean why would breathing like that oh right that affects you oh i didn't realize your oh what when you breathe in your pulse rate speeds up when you breathe out your pulse slows down oh is that why lengthening your exhale I get it now you know that's more calming so they really are interested and as a teacher when you're teaching people you guys must know <laughs> when people are really interested in what you're telling them I mean that's great it, it makes your job as a teacher so much more interesting and enriching and empowering so yes there are challenging times and yes occasionally I phone a you know Zephyr Wildman as you uh, interviewed is one of my very good friends and I'll phone her and I'll just say because she understands grief and I'll say it's really shit I'm having a shit day I've just lost someone that I really love who comes to my class and I walk in to try yoga and the first thing I think about is that person and mm. it's that's tough uh, or I see their partner who used to come to yoga with them and they still come to yoga but they're not coming with them anymore and yeah it's sometimes it's just shit it's shit because cancer is shit yeah <laughs> but you know but but a lot of people are living with it so you carry on going and you carry on supporting people and hopefully making maybe you're just making their life a little easier um and you know um and that's what i get from sometimes people just tell me i'm just coming to yoga to make my life a little bit more bearable or easier or to just manage manage my symptoms my side effects so that i can enjoy life Mm. and be fully present and learning some acceptance and all the things that we teach in yoga and yoga is fantastic for that you know what an incredible effect you're having on so many people's lives through this and for doing it for so long like so how how do you how do you balance doing all of this with actually i guess the yoga teaching and a like that makes you some money <laughs> oh yeah so well no i do i i only teach a few classes for free so i teach for a couple of cancer charities and that's for free um, but, but no, I get paid for, for, you know, try yoga, do pay me for teaching yoga for cancer classes and, um, yeah. And then I run training. So I train, I train teachers to, um, I run a 40 hour training that tra trains teachers to work with people with cancer. So I run that through try yoga, um, and retreats. I run retreats to help, uh, you know, top up you know, my income, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's, it's but do you, you it's, still teach not normal yoga, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Still I teach, <laughs> Open level classes, yeah, yeah. I teach open level classes, and I, I love those as well. Um, and again, I think in those, I definitely attract the people with the injuries. They all, <laughs> they do all come into my class. I don't know. <laughs> there must be something about me. But and so I, I'm, I'm quite slow in the way I teach. I, I used to be vinyasa, and now I've slowed it down a bit. So I'm, I'm not quite so vinyasa, but. Yeah, uh, I teach still teach level classes. Out of interest, with the trainings you do, and are there any coming up? If you, any you want to plug coming up. Um, yeah, well, I've got question. One, depends when this is coming out. I've got one coming up in, in June, June the 13th to the 16th. And then the next one will be January 2023. So I just run them every sort of six June months. June the 13th. We can try and squeeze this out. <laughs> we can put this one out next. We can squeeze that. But but the the question, I guess, more so, what's for someone that comes on these trainings, what, what do people want? Is it... Is it often teachers coming because, you know, they've had friends or family being affected by it and want to help them? 
are people really considering setting up yoga for cancer classes? What kind of people are doing your trainings? Yeah, it's a, it's a, a it's a mixture. So uh, sometimes I get teachers themselves that have been diagnosed with cancer, and they contact me, and they're like they're not quite sure what to do with their own practice, and um, and they're they want to learn more because they want firstly I think to sort of support themselves and then they want to give back well they felt like the community around them has been so amazing while they've been going through cancer that they would really like to give something back or they really found that yoga benefited um, themselves and so they want to give that back into a, a class situation or they've been affected they've seen family members go through cancer and they they would they felt a bit in, um, powerless to be able to help them and they want to be able to you know I wasn't quite sure what to do with my dad because he's, he's in his 70s what can I do with him what can't I do with him or I knew that they had osteoporosis so then I was really nervous about working with them so um, the training will look at all the sort of safety sides of it as well then there'll just be some people that are starting to maybe get a few people coming into their classes that, and they want to make sure that they're safely looking after people that come into their classes um, and unfortunately with the statistics on yoga and again I don't always go into, into statistics because I think we're all unique and we're all original so just because the stats say you know this is your stats on one on one thing doesn't mean you will follow those statistics but I think the statistics on cancer is it's one in two by 2030 one in two people will be diagnosed with cancer so sadly more and more people are mm being diagnosed with cancer and therefore living longer with the side effects of treatment, which is mostly what the training is looking at. It's looking at the side effects of treatment. So you want to be able to be safe because osteoporosis, you know, the thing with cancer treatment is it affects fast growing cells in the body and we have fast growing cells in our bone marrow. So osteoporosis, osteopenia, weakening of the bones is a common side effect of treatment. So you want to be able to make sure that you are also being safe with people and some people if they've had lymph nodes removed or radiotherapy to the armpit or groin area they may be at risk of lymphedema which is a chronic um, swelling of the arm now there's not enough research yet into it nobody really knows why some people get it and some people don't but there is a risk so therefore you want to make sure you are building back strength for people slowly before you go into big poses so i don't teach an awful lot of big weight bearing poses um but you know so it's it's learning how to adapt your classes to make it safe for if, if you're teaching a regular class that someone could also come back into your class in a moving in a safe way that you maybe have an understanding of, of that and does that make sense yeah no completely tell us a little about the book now so the book is out soon isn't it I think. is that out already yeah. Yeah, it's well, it's Troy Yoga had some um, all, um, early, all early copies, um, but it's officially released on the 16th of June. And um, it's not the book isn't, well, I guess it'll be useful for teachers, but it's designed for anyone. Yeah, I mean, it, it'd be useful for teachers because um, it may be interesting to just look at because because it's an A to Z of side effects. I don't have every single letter. <laughs> I did try to have every single letter. Oh, you fraud, then, you absolute fraud. <laughs> You're misselling this book. <laughs> So there's only actually three letters and three chapters. Is that, is that right? Yeah, there's an A and a Z. <laughs> no, it's uh, I just was sort of you know trying to trying to create you know things with the with the Y and with the X and and then my my publisher was like I think you sort of I don't think you need to have every single you know if you, if you don't have every single letter but no I think as a teacher it might be interesting just to see to have an understanding maybe of what someone is going through that if you have people in your class with cancer that these are some of the side effects and again 
because we know about the placebo effect. I do want to say that just because it's a list of side effects, it doesn't mean that you'll would, you'll have the side effects. Would effect. that be the nocebo effect? Yeah, so no, yeah, sorry, yes, it, you're right. It is the nocebo effect. Which, so which I find fantastic. I find that so fascinating. Like it's, it's yeah. only been really researched heavily in the last like five, 10 years, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely fascinating. So if you're told something may be detrimental to your health, you 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 may have those symptoms. So you, if you're told you, you'll lose your hair, you can lose your hair. I mean, it's sort of, and yet you could still be just be giving a, a sugar pill to somebody. It's, yeah, it's quite it's quite amazing. Wow. So yeah, so the power of the mind. So just because these are side effects doesn't mean that they you that people will everyone will experience them. And also, you know, with side effects, everybody's different. So for some people, losing their hair is a huge, huge, huge thing. And for other people, losing their hair is not the biggest thing. Actually, there's something else that's the bigger thing. Mm. And so um, you know, looking through the side effects. It, just because they're, they're, that's the list of side effects doesn't mean everybody will receive those side effects or be um, or find them as challenging. So some people may have things very in a very mild way, and some people may have things in a much uh, bigger way. So it you know it, it it really depends person to person, and again on things like age, um, you know fitness levels before you were diagnosed with cancer. All of those things will come into play as well when you know when people come into your classes. And I play safe because I do get. A lot of people just come because they've never done yoga in their life. They get diagnosed with cancer and somewhere along the way, someone says, oh, I've read or I've heard or, oh, my mate, she does yoga and it's really helped her. And so they join, they turn up at your class and they can't sit cross-legged because they, they've never sat on the floor, you know, since they were a child. They've only ever sat in a chair. And, you know, so a lot of what I teach is also just trying to adapt the class so that you can make it accessible to everybody. Mm. And that's what I hope you get when if you, if you do the training. You can adapt the class to make it really accessible. Excuse me. I was going to say, on the hair thing, it's, I just say different people interacting with the symptoms in different ways. I mean, my sister and my late father, you know, both lost their hair. And for my sisters, this is a wonderful opportunity to buy more wigs. Well, not more, buy wigs. And just it was it was just like the one thing she's never been able to fashion. Now she can buy accessories for it. Whereas my dad looked like like a member of the BMP. Like he looked like a racist. And and, oh. and got like dirty looks and like almost like in, not in scuffles, oh, no. but because <laughs> he just looked like this like strong racist walking around Birmingham, which is wasn't at all yeah. in any way. But that was his reaction to losing his hair. Yeah, and, and, and the wig thing is interesting because I think also, you know, what happens with a lot of people with cancer is they're um, like caring for others. They're caring for others, their family members, if maybe they've got children. So they're also trying to sort of make sure everyone else around them is okay. And, yeah. and you know, if some people are very comfortable wearing a scarf and walking around or walking around with with no hair, and then other people say, I can't bear the looks, you know, people sort of go, oh, you know, they mm. drop their heads to one side. And she said, at, and they say, actually, that makes me feel worse. And so actually sometimes, yeah, great wigs make everyone else around you feel maybe easier around you. And if you are caring for family members and you want them to feel, you know, it's okay, it's all okay, don't worry that, you know, Having a, having a great wig can also be, you know, really interesting. And, and there are some mm. fantastic wigs out there. Yeah, I've, there got, I've, got, I've got a few upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Mermaid yeah. wigs. Yeah. <laughs> I like the one you've got on at the moment. That's really good. <laughs> we have that one quite a lot. <laughs> He's actually bald. Uh, <laughs> we started with little quickfire questions now. I think the first mm. one is, I want you to imagine, like you're in an elevator with someone who has cancer. They've never 
they've never done yoga before considered it like, ne- like not even remotely on their radar they live not in, not in London non-cosmopolitan non-mixed area how would you persuade not that you're trying to sell it to them but how would you like persuade them this this could be something useful for them what would they be getting out of it like in a, in a short pitch from a yoga for cancer class yeah, I'd say, you know, yoga can give you an opportunity to get out of your head because probably the head is the most challenging bit. And is that what you're experiencing? Are you experiencing, you know, I probably want to know what they were experiencing before I start telling them what they were experiencing. <laughs> um, it'd be, yeah, I'd be, I'd be curious to know, you know, uh, what were, you know, if they could let me know, you know, what they were feeling at the moment. And if it was like, oh, I'm just really can't get out of my head. I'm so worried. So, well, great. Yoga is really good for that because yoga gives you an opportunity to focus on something else, whether that's movement, whether that's breathing for a moment, you're going to be focusing on something else. And then you'll notice your mind will drift back to those sometimes scary limiting thoughts. Sometimes our mind's fantastic. It's creative. But um, I would say, yeah, that you can use, you're finding something to anchor you into the moment. And mm. that's what I'd say would be the best thing. I mean, obviously, if they then said, well, actually, uh, my feet are really numb from peripheral neuropathy, I might then sell it in a different way. And that, well, did you know that, you know, by moving your feet, you keep the um, muscles moving and muscles working and actually can make your feet more malleable, which might help you to connect to your feet. Mm. And then also by practicing balancing um things because balance is a skill you can learn and relearn you might that might actually help with your peripheral neuropathy and prevent you from maybe tripping and falling cool that's sold sold (laughs) so for you personally when when you're feeling a little bit off balance or off center what would be your go-to something or practice to bring you back to balance again to bring me back to balance um uh, yeah it, it would be I I do like a little bit of movement. So definitely I would do what I call my rock and roll yoga where I just lie on my back and I do, I would definitely be breathing and doing lots of breathing. And um, um, I, I, yeah, I think the the breath is important thing. So I definitely come into breathing, counting the breath, maybe finding a balance with breath. And then, yeah, all the sort of of like the Apanasana flow and um, Supta Vadankasana number one, you know, stretching out hamstrings and stuff, lying on my back, you know, just getting, getting a bit connected to breath and movement. And that's why I think vinyasa is really important because I think it really does blend that breath and movement together. So you not only are you focusing on the movement, but the breath is with the movement. So the whole thing comes together and, and, yeah, I think I think um, I think that would be me. Me, mm. probably very very mellow and gentle, sort of hip opening and on my back breathing. And to end, is it what what do you want people to know about where to find you? Website, uh, any dates for things coming up? The book release. Just remind us of that. Yeah, so um, I've I've got a book book release uh, on the second of July at Tri Yoga. I'm doing it at chelsea but it's also online so if people do want to book you can book on the workshop section on try yoga and um, i decided to do it at chelsea just because that's where i first started the class so it has a big meaning for Mm. me that 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 center um and yeah my class the classes are all free they're free to join through try yoga so you can book just going on to try yoga's website um it's a bit confusing sometimes i find the website so the easiest way probably just to put in my name vicky fox and then you just search for classes and yeah there are free classes and you can join and if you do join and you're joining uh, you can have a choice of being online or in the studio and um, one of them is just purely online um, if you do join try to join a bit early i'm normally online about 10 minutes before but it'd be really good to to chat to you and to meet you just to have a chat through you know any concerns you might have about attending the class that day so that i can just you know make, make sure i support you fully wonderful thanks so much thank Been a you pleasure. so much
Thank you. Honestly, I'm balanced.